So I, you know, I'm constantly running the risk that I'm going to retrace something I've previously said on this podcast because I'm not um, like when I first introduced the podcast and, and whenever I've talked about it in general, I've described it as being very loose and lighthearted and, and daydreamy. And, and that's my way of sort of excusing the fact that I'm not writing up a strict plan for what the episodes are about. It's not very structured. It's just sort of whatever I'm thinking about at the moment when I'm recording. And I have a list of topics that I want to work through, but I, I haven't written out what I'm going to say in any detail. It's just sort of letting the thoughts that bubble up, bubble up. So I want to talk about something, and I don't think I've talked about this yet. If I have, apologies, but hopefully hearing about it again will offer some more color to the idea that you might find interesting. And this is in response to uh, something that Amit Patel said on Twitter. And uh, Amit, I hope, A, that I'm pronouncing their name correctly, and B, uh, if you don't know who this person is, they are also known as Red Blob Games. They run a website that is a phenomenal resource for learning about how certain algorithms that are popular in gaming, but also other areas, how they work with these really, really rich visual interactive explanations. Um, they're one of the go-to examples when somebody uses the term explorable explanation. Their work is amazing. I highly recommend you check it out, redblobgames.com. So Emmett described Hest's execution model uh, or described one way that it might feel sort of aesthetically, if all points were to take the same amount of time to go from one end of a path to the other. So if that conveyance time, if the kid going down the water slide, if the amount of time it took every kid to go down every water slide was fixed at some constant value. So let's say it takes, you know, one second for every conveyance. And it doesn't matter how long the path is, how long the edge is, how long the water slide is. It could be any visible length. But if the amount of time that it took to travel from one end to the other is fixed, that a is something that introduces a way of having a little bit of leverage over the synchronization problem that I've talked about previously, where, you know, if, if you want two points to arrive at a certain function and, you know, to arrive there together so that the function can use both of them, you don't want one to arrive a little bit before the other one unless you have some kind of coordination system in place like perching or like fibers or like a lot of the other things I've talked about are designed to solve that problem of two points that just barely miss one another. But if you make all edges the same length, you know that two points will arrive right in sync or will arrive exactly n units, you know, forward or back relative to one another. And that might let you have some leverage over coordination, but just by saying like, this node is just going to hold one value for two ticks or whatever, two seconds or however long it takes for um, a full conveyance. Let's call it a tick. I'm going to use that term. So each tick points will move from one end of their edge to the other end of their edge. And so if, if it's, you know, one tick per edge is the standard length of time, you can coordinate around that and you can give the programmer some coordination around that. And Emmett explained the way that that would feel 
by making reference to the game Crypt of the Necro Dancer, which is a video game, if you have not heard of it, where it's a sort of like a Zelda style dungeon crawling adventure game where you have, you know, a sword and a shield and you're going, you know, deeper and deeper into this dungeon looking for uh, challenges and treasures and that kind of stuff, but also to advance the story. Uh, But the thing that makes this game fun is that it is also a rhythm game. And so the dungeons are sort of pulsing with lights and all the enemies are dancing and there's music thumping dum 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 and you do all your movements in time with the music so if the music is going dump 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 you're going jump jump slash jump jump dodge jump jump slash jump jump open the door jump jump that kind of thing along with the rhythm of the music and it's it's a, a very fun twist on the rhythm game genre and if you could imagine that you had this big HEST program and it had all these nodes all over the place connected with paths and all the data is conveying, but all the data is conveying at exactly the same amount of time. You know, you'd see this pulsing rhythm of the points moving through your system. And to imagine that even being more dramatic in that that feeling, you could imagine that the animation that is used to move a point from one edge to the other could be instead of linear, where the um, point just moves at a steady speed, it could have an ease in out curve where the point starts off slow and then accelerates and then decelerates at the end. So you'd have this sort of throb of all of the points starting off slow and then moving fast and then slowing down at the end over and over and over again every tick. So if you're watching your program in slow motion at one tick per second, you'd have this whoom, whoom, whoom movement of all of the points. And that's um, something that I have been trying very, very hard to avoid doing because and it's something I keep thinking about doing, but all of these contortions that I'm going through with coming up with alternative ideas for depicting where data is and and synchronization and all that kind of stuff, all of that thinking is based on wanting to avoid anything in Hest that would make you feel nauseous looking at it. Because I imagine that it's going to be very much like looking at a, you know, like an ant colony or a, or some kind of beehive or something like that, where there's all sorts of little motions going on all over the place. And I feel like that if those motions are somewhat incoherent, if there's some amount of scattered timing, and it's not like things are happening with a an overall throbbing rhythm, but instead it's very disperse motion. That, you know, that that dispersedness of the motion will help you look at it from a distance and still be able to follow what is going on without it being like physically nauseating to look at. Whereas if the entire ant colony were this very periodic, very strong movement, as you are 
sliding up and down through different scales of time, which is a continuous thing. Like you, you have a big slider on the left, this big thumb, and you push the thumb up and execution moves forward faster and faster, depending on how high up you push that slider thumb. All the way up to at the very top is infinity, where it is running as fast as your computer can manage. And at that point, it doesn't even do a lot of the rendering of the animations of the points moving around. It just runs as if it's, you know, a a script that you've written and it's just executing away like a normal program. When you're in those intermediate speeds, I feel like if the rhythm is very strong, that pulsing effect, it could cause people who are photosensitive to have a reaction because there's a flickering at a certain strong rate. Uh, It could have people who are uh, sensitive to motion feel nausea. And I think that that nauseousness would be especially pronounced if you were to do the focus mode where you attach the camera to a point and you run your execution in slow motion and the camera follows that point on its journey and, you know, through every function that it goes through. And if, if it comes to a function and that function produces two outputs, it, you know, gives you a little, you know, super slow-mo, like freezes the action and kind of gives you a little interface. Like, do you want to follow this one or do you want to follow that one? And you just kind of, you know, you flick your mouse or, or hit a key to kind of indicate which way you want to keep going. And then it resumes running it whatever speed you're watching this uh this this point move through its journey on and i'm i'm trying to design that experience as the kind of like the one of the top three goals for hest is that like that focus mode following the point and and also that like zooming out and taking your whole system all at once and so i'm avoiding design decisions that lead to Things that would make those experiences feel bad or that would require a lot of a lot of compromise to those experiences. I am much more willing to compromise the execution model itself or things like uh, memory consumption or full speed performance or other aspects if that following a point kind of focus mode thing um, feels very good to do and is something that everybody programming Hest is able to use. Um, I, I have a bit of a concern about accessibility in that regard. And just as one last um, aspect to touch on for this for this particular idea, the reason that I want that focus mode to be so dominant in my in my design uh, here is because I think that that enables a way of using Hest to solve a real problem that text-based programming cannot solve, not without dramatically changing the tooling that we use and the interface that we use to work with text-based code. And that is that when you are first encountering a new code base, especially if you are new to the language or new to the framework or new to programming itself, figuring out what happens in what order is extraordinarily difficult. You need to load a ton of context into your head and a ton of baseline knowledge in order to take a program that is any amount of non-trivial complexity and to follow the execution of that program and to answer questions like, if I open up some random file, how do I know when this file is executed? Those questions are very hard to answer with text-based programming the way that we've built it up with our current tooling. And I think that that is something that Hest would excel at because you open the program up 
And to answer the question, hey, what happens in what order, you just run your program in slow motion, pick a data point and start following it. And that will take you on a tour through the program that will help you start to map it out the way you map out a new city when you travel to a new city. You pick a place you want to go, you travel to that place, and you learn you know, how to work through the transit network of that city and, and see many places along the way. And the more you do that in that new city, the more you'll have a sense of um, the lay of the land, so to speak. And so I think Hest can really do some interesting things there. And so that's why I am so defensive when it comes to how it should feel to use focus mode to follow a point on its journey and why I'm very, very cautious about taking the kind of the easy way out of this coordination problem by just making everything take a very regular amount of time. Because, uh, you know, I, my example was contrived a little bit. I said, if there's this strong whoom, whoom, because of an ease in out, that that would be nauseating, even with linear motion, or even with other kinds of motion that are designed to um, smooth out the, the, the feeling of the motion and not make it so um, rhythmic. Uh, and even if the focus mode were to be a little more gentle about how it follows the point, so instead of staying exactly glued, the, the camera staying exactly glued to the position of the point as it whips around in the program, if instead the camera is like, you know, using some kind of spring physics or something like that to just like loosely follow the path of the point that it's looking at, even with those kind of, of softening effects in place, I still feel like it's, it's leading down a, a path that changes the way that it feels to do the participatory execution in a way that I, I don't think I would like the feeling of it. And I'm basing that not on having fully implemented all of these things, as I've said, but I am basing that on having played a lot with the current prototypes that I have and having a sense of what feels good and what feels bad from those. And so I'm going to keep playing with this. Who knows? I might end up going with at least the option for all paths to take a fixed amount of time or the option to set the amount of time that paths take independent of their length. That's already a feature in Hest. It's just not something that I'm designing around, but it emerges from the way that I've implemented it. Um, so it's it's something that I, I think a lot about, but hopefully that that explanation that I, I care just as much about the, like, you know, what does it do to the pit of your stomach to watch Hest execute? Like, I really care about that. I think that that will hopefully help you understand where some of these design challenges are coming from and why certain solutions that I would otherwise, you know, jump all over might not be appropriate given the goals that I have.